Hi everyone, and welcome to the February edition of the DistilleryTours.Scot podcast, giving you that wee bit of extra insight from Scotland's whisky distilleries. My name's Nikki Simpson, and in this episode I had the pleasure of speaking to not one, but two of the Ardnahoe Distilleries team, Paul Graham, Visitor Centre Operations Manager, and Fraser Hughes, Distillery Manager, who both moved back to the Isle of Isla after years away. Paul and Fraser talk about what makes this brand new distillery unique, and what brings people back to Isla again and again. Fraser has an unusual way to find a job if you're looking for one in the whisky industry, and Paul tells us about his favourite of the Hunter Lang whiskies, the Scarabus. This episode was recorded in February 2021, when the world had been social distancing for around 11 months to stop the spread of COVID-19. If you'd like to find out more about the Ardnahoe Distillery and its whisky, check out distillerytours.scot and click on the Book Now button on the Ardnahoe listing. We hope you enjoy it. So, hi, today I'm here with Paul Graham, Visitor Centre Operations Manager, and Fraser Hughes, Distillery Manager at the Ardnahoe Distillery on Isla. How are you doing, guys? Well, thanks. Very well. We're all good. We're, we're cold, but we're good. So tell us a bit about yourselves and your careers working in the drinks industry. Okay, well, it's obviously Fraser here. Um, I started in 1982, uh, Bonemore Distillery. Just leave, left school, uh, got a job in the summer, uh, showing tourists around at that time. Um, from there, I moved to Ochentoshin Distillery which was part of Morrison Bowmore at the time. And then from there, I was given the opportunity to manage Glengarry Distillery in the Northeast. Um, <clears throat> how long have you got with this? Because it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from, from there, I went to a Glendronach Distillery, then to Glenglasa Distillery, and then to Arna Merkin before... Uh, coming back to Isla, um, <clears throat> obviously I took my wife kicking and screaming off Isla 29 years ago and we, d- we did the whole tour really from the, the west to the central to the east to the northeast to the west and back to the west again. Uh, so it's, 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 been, it's been quite a career in the industry. Were you born, born and bred on Isla then? No, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Invernesian. I was born in, born in Inverness. I, my father was in the industry as well, so he moved about quite a bit. So I think I get the itchy feet from him. Um, but, but no, Inverness and then <clears throat> uh, over to Isla. And then from there, my, my kind of journey started. And how about yourself, Paul? Uh, well, unlike Fraser, I uh, didn't have to get the, to drag my wife kicking and screaming back to Isla. <laughs> she, she was quite quite willing to come back to, come to Isla. <laughs> She's not originally from Isla. But however, um, my, my career is a bit more, um, shall we say, outside the industry and in the industry. My first industry experience really was, I guess, through my mother. She worked at Bonhaven Distillery when, when I was a kid. Uh, we used to play around the distillery buildings. Um, obviously, when it, you know, still at school at the time, I actually went to the Merchant Navy, first of all. Huh. And um, came back ashore, um, did various things, uh, sales and marketing hotels. Then I got an opportunity with White Mackay, which my, was my first industry experience. It was in the sales team. Um, it looked after from Annie's Land Cross to the Butt of Lewis, which was quite a quite a large patch. But got to meet loads of great people and really got a taste for what the industry was like. 
uh, worked with the wonderful Richard Patterson. And um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. I then worked for a brewer, did my own thing, our own business. And then um, the opportunity came up at Ardenhoe and it was it was too good to turn down because uh, the whiskey industry is like a big family. Yeah, and, definitely. Hold on, you said you, you you were doing your own thing. That was kind of swept over a wee bit there. What what, what did you do as a as a brewer? Well, as, as well, no, that was after the brewing experience. My own thing was myself oh. and my wife owned and run a couple of hotels. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, you jump from one side of the bar to the other, basically. Um, but my, my interest and passion for whiskey never left me. And, and in fact, when I was in Mull, I got uh, a few of the locals there converted on to Kalila and Brooklady and stuff like that. So whilst they had Tobermory whiskey, none of them drank it. But they preferred the, the, the peatiness of the Isle of Whiskies, I guess. Maybe I was a secret ambassador and I didn't know about it. Yeah, maybe it's just in your blood. I love that, yeah, that you uh, used yeah. to hang around the distillery when you were a kid. That's really nice. So Ardenhoe is a brand new distillery. That's quite exciting. Can you tell us about how it came into being? What's the history? How I, why Isla? Why did you choose? Why did you choose that site? Tell us the story. Well, thankfully, it wasn't uh, minor Fraser's decision. This was uh, Stuart Lane, who's, who's the he's the patriarch of the company, um, and Stuart has a, a close affinity with Isla. He was actually here in the sixties himself, working in a friend's distillery, which is Bruchlady. Um, but his grandparents uh, were also married in the Round Church in Beaumont. So there was a quite a family connection. And, and Stuart back then decided that one day, if he ever had a distillery, it would be on Isla. And at the age of 73, he achieved his lifetime's ambition. Wow. Um, obviously, you know, if you ever come to the distillery, you'll you'll see why it's it's so so loved and cherished already. Yeah. Um, because it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a lovely situation. And... Um, Fraser will tell you why it was set up here in the first place. Well, first and foremost, what you look for is a, a supply of water and a, an abundant supply of water. Uh, so, I mean, it, they looked at various sites on Isla, uh, one at Grunyard, um, another over in the, the the west side of the island, and then they come up to Ardenhoe, and obviously we've, we've got a, a massive loch. It's, obviously it's, it's Ardenhoe Loch, and there's an abundance of, abundance of nice cold peaty water in there and then they just walked over the hill and saw the views you know you saw the Paps Jura and then down towards Mull over the sound it's just absolutely stunning you, you, you couldn't have you couldn't have picked a better spot on Isla you know to build a distillery so, so that was that was initially initially we're looking for an abundance of water uh, but then the, the views were a the views were a bonus uh, so no it's an absolutely stunning spot for a distillery. Was it? I mean, was it kind of in mind to have a, a visitor centre there when you, before you before you got started? I mean, you know, was it was it specifically kind of thinking about the kind of visitors that would come to the place or? Um, no, because once when when they started <clears throat> building the distillery, the, the visitor centre wasn't part of it. Um, it kind of evolved, and I think it evolved because of look at the location we've got. Yeah, you know, and as Fraser says, you got that massive. Uh, loch, deep loch of, of lovely soft water, but the you know the situation of the distillery was was really, I think, what was the the, the guiding kind of principle to to having a visitor centre uh, just to show show off what what we've got and yeah. uh, 
It's, it's not just Fraser's pneumatic spirit that takes your breath away, it's the view as well. Yeah. So you've got two things that yeah. take your breath away. I, I, I think also as well, although there was no initial plans for the for a visitor centre, it was it, it was a certainty that it was always going to be a visitor centre because Isla's iconic for tourism uh, and and most distilleries do, well, every distillery does have a, a visitor centre. So it was always going to evolve onto it, but I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it was built on beside it as the distillery was getting built, you know, because it, when it was, we started in May 2017, and which which was just before face time. Now, the amount of people that were coming up then, that were you knew you knew there was a we had to have a visitor centre, you know. So it, it, it evolved, but it evolved quicker than than what they'd planned to do it, which is absolutely fantastic. And I guess if you've fallen in love with a place, you want to show it off to people, don't you? Oh, of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah, no, absolutely stunning. As Paul says, the, the views are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the photos and thought, oh, yes, I need some of that mm -hmm. in my life. Um, so is it true that the last known illicit still was at Ardenhoe Farm? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so the folklore goes. Um, no, the, the, in fact, one of the local farmers has, has got the last still. Um probably just a couple of miles from the distillery. He keeps, oh, really? saying, he's, he keeps saying he's going to give it to us for a bottle of whiskey, but we've, we've, we've yet to decide on, on what kind of whiskey it is. Um, but no, he, he, he's, he's got part of the last illicit still from the farm. And can you tell us a bit more about illicit stills in general? Because, I mean, I think everybody kind of likes that kind of romantic idea of it. The history of Isla, of course, in, in the whiskey making is that, you know, we always had an abundance of... of lovely soft water. Uh, we had fields that we could grow barley in. Uh, we had a supply of peat, which was obviously there for, for heating your, your pot. Um, it was a difficult place to get to. Uh, therefore, the, the government forces were unable to get here quick enough. And by the time they got here, uh, the worms were buried in a peat bog somewhere. The pots were filled with soup and all that kind of stuff. So I guess we were we were quite astute at that in, uh, all these years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, there, is a, there is a map, and I think it's Kilhoman. It still has a map that's got about 20 or 30 sites where there was unofficial distilleries. Um, but, of course, as you know, the, the, the Wash Act then came into being, and um, we all had to go legit then. So, uh, But yeah, one day somebody will yeah. dig up a worm from a peat bog somewhere, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we'll just have to put it down as folklore at the moment, but I'm pretty sure it'll happen. Uh, the, 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 sorry, the, the ones that could afford to go legit went legit, but there was there was still some illicit stills going on in the background. So you realize, is that your relative, Fraser? <laughs> and just for anybody who doesn't understand why you would bury a worm, um, do you want to tell, tell them a little bit about the worm and why it was so important? Well, the, the, the worm was the most difficult, it's, it's the copper coil, and it was the most difficult uh, bit of equipment to, to fashion, to, 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 uh, to make. Therefore, it was the most valuable. So it didn't matter if you lost the pot or if you lost the, 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 the guttering to run yeah. into it or you lost the site where you lit the fire, the worm was the most important thing. Um, so that's why we um, protected it, it with our lives, really. <laughs> You were involved in the setting up of the visitor centre, Paul. Um, what does it take to create a whole new visitor experience? Because, I mean, starting from scratch, that must have been quite a job. Um, a lot of research. Um, 
and being on on an island, um, you know, sourcing stuff is a bit more challenging. Uh, you've always got the, you know, the mercy of of uh, wind and ferries. Yeah. Um, we did a bit of research in that. We went, we went across to, to Ireland to look at, uh, did I say, the Guinness Storehouse and Teeling Distillery. They were, that was a newly set up distillery. We visited quite a few in the uh, Central Belt um, and Highland areas. Obviously, we went around the, the local distilleries here. And to be fair, our, our colleagues, as we call them in Isla, um, they were all very helpful in um, giving advice about setting up a visitor centre and what to expect. And really just through our own experiences of, of what we would like to see. Um, having been in, you know, customer service environment, you always think, well, the, the most important thing, first and foremost, is customer satisfaction and customer service. If you don't get that right, you're in a hiding to nothing. So that was what we set out to do very early doors. We, we, we recruited staff early and we trained, 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 trained. We got a reward because we opened in April 2019, and by October 2019, we got awarded five stars by Visit Scotland from their quality and assurance programme. So that was a major, major achievement for us. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And what about you, Fraser? Tell me more about your role. Hey, well, I'm, I'm distillery manager here. I, obviously, I've worked in quite a few distilleries, but the, the distilleries that I worked in before had, had history built up over hundreds of years. So the humbling fact for me coming, coming back to Isla was getting to make history, you know, at the start, uh, obviously with the, the production team we've got here. I mean, who, who, there's not a lot of people get the opportunity to to create history, to start history. My role here, obviously, distillery manager. Um, I've been here since from the start of it. So it was, again, it was very challenging, uh, starting a new distillery, commissioning it, a new distillery. Uh, well, first and foremost, quality starts in the barley field. But obviously, when we get when we get the malted barley into the distillery, uh, first and foremost, uh, the quality then moves on to the mashing side of things. So obviously, the challenge that the challenge at the start was was to hit the ground running, if you like, uh, try and get the best start as possible. So uh, we achieved that uh, with the mashing, probably more or less third or fourth mash in. You know, we'd we'd, we'd got the tweaking. Um, out of the way, and we, we got we, we built up a consistency into the stills, and then obviously getting consistency there as well. Um, we're the only distillery in Isla with worm tubs, worm tub condensers, uh, so that makes us unique on Isla. I mean, we are trying to produce uh, an iconic Isla new make spirit, but obviously the uniqueness comes from the worm tubs, uh, which is going to, which makes it a, a dynamic spirit. Um, it's a fruity spirit, a sweet spirit, and phenolic, uh, but it, it comes in in layers. Um, it's evolved over the last couple of years because, like a new car, it's you, you've got to run it in, you've got to bed the stills in, the mash tun in, the washbacks in, um, but it, it takes time to get the the oils through and the natural oils through into the spirit. I would reckon it probably took the best part of a year, you know, for for the spirit to evolve into what we've got just now but still trying to keep the fruity character, the phenolic character, and the sweet character in it as well. That's the first word I've heard, phenolic, before. What does phenolic mean? Did you say you kind of elaborated a wee bit, like that it was like something in layers, is that right? Yeah, the, the notes come in layers, the flavours come in layers. It's not all hitting you at the one time. Uh, the spirit produced here, it, it comes in layers. First you'll get the fruits, then you'll get the sweetness, and then the phenolics. Now the phenolics is the, is the peat, you know, that, that's iconic to Isla. 
it's it's phenols that we, we call it in industry, but it's but it's the peat reek that you get from the you know from the the, the fires and the peat kilns. Uh, fascinating. That's just really interesting that you're starting from scratch, that it takes time to bed in. And then presumably you've got, you know, you've got to know what kind of notes you want to come out in the actual whiskey when it actually is produced, not the numic, but the actual single malt. So, I mean, do you know at this stage what you hope that's going to taste like or what, what does it look like? No, I mean, you, you, you've got an idea of, of, of what you want mm. to produce. So you, you've got that first and foremost in your head. But before, before you even turn the switch on the distillery, you've got to go forward to the end to work back the way to get to where you want to get to. It's a brand new distillery, brand new plant. Now, every distillery in Scotland will have will have little nuances, if you like, differences that make their character. Well, Ardenhoe is no different. But Ardenhoe, when you distillery, you've got to find that character. You've got to know the character that you want to get to, to work back the way to get to there. If you, to, tweak, to tweak it so that you yeah, can get to the yeah. point, yeah, yeah. Yes. Now, I mean, the, the very first spirit that ran over, there was no faints in it. Yeah, it was just totally low wines. Now, the low wines come from the, the wash distillate. And we we were actually astonished because at the very first run from the low wines, we got alcohol, we got we got spirit, and, and it was the purest sweetness spirit that, that I've ever known and tasted before. Um, but obviously, but it's then evolved, obviously, with the, with the faints coming into it, we give more fruity character coming through, uh, more phenols coming through, sorry, more peat coming through as well. So it, it has evolved over time. Because all your sweetness, Fraser, came from the, you know, the long line arms, very long line arms that lead to the to the worm tubs, yeah. and then we've got all the copper in the worm tubs. So you get a lot of sweetness coming from all that copper contact, um, and as as Fraser says, run over it. Certainly did run over in the first one, didn't it, Fraser? Yeah. Well, <laughs> obviously you, 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 you've, got, you've got brand new plant and um, brand new steam controls. So we just said we'll go for fifty percent, fifty percent pressure. Yeah, and the foam came over the top, so they, they, they were quickly turned back and then went, went back to the drawing board. So, okay, we'll better turn that down a bit, guys. So, we went, went down to 30% after that, and the second run came in an awful lot better. But as Fraser says, over that length of time, I mean, he's, he's taught me a lot about, about new make, which is it's great for me for, from my point of view. But it's incredible when you look at the original new make and what we've got now, that the oils yeah. that's built up now is just incredible. And it's, it's just like he says, your equipment beds in. It's, I guess it's like running in an engine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you've got the, the, you know, the, the oils coming through in the, in the spirit now, which is just lovely. It's beautiful. I mean, you, you've got to find a sweet spot of every distillery. That you, you, you're looking for extract, optimum extract, but what you don't want to do is, is forfeit quality. So you, you've, you've got to find a sweet spot for every distillery that, that you, you're going to get optimum extract, but as well at the same time, getting quality through the whole distillery. To me, it's like cooking. You can put a steak in a frying pan and two, two totally different chefs will, will cook it two, two totally different ways. It's the same making whiskey. You, you've got a recipe and you, you've got to work the plant efficiently to, to get the best recipe quality out of it at the end of the day. That's a good analogy for anybody who, you know, doesn't understand the process very well. That's really good. Thank you. You were talking about how... Worm tub condensers. Worm tub condensers. Thank you. That's the words I'm looking for. That are um, the only ones on Isla. Is that, would you say that's like your USP? I would I would say that's, that's one of the USPs. Um, we've also got the longest line arms in Scotland by, by half an inch. 
<laughs> so we've got the longest line arm in Scotland, but we've also got an abundance of copper contact in the stills. You need the copper contact to give you the esters and to purify the, the aldehydes and the impurities and the different congeners that you're not looking for. So that, that's that's why I went with it. It's, it's big lamp glass stills we've got. Longest line arms in Scotland, 24 and a half feet. And we've got 77 metres of copper coil in each worm. It coils like a snake, where there's, there's, there's 30,000 30, litres of water in each. So it's the water that cools down the vapours into liquid. So we've got 77 metres of, of copper coil inside each worm. That's so it, big. Yeah, it's, 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 it's massive. Uh, but but that, that's, that's what gives it a, an added bit of character to the, to the new make spirit which will mature nicely into the, into the Scottish whiskey that we're looking to produce. Fraser, what's it like for you being at a brand new distillery in comparison to, you know, working in really long established ones? I mean, you're saying it's, you know, it's a bit of a, um, you know, you're making history. That's a lovely way to look at it. Just wondering, you've had a pretty interesting career. There's a lot of distilleries, you know, they must all have, as you say, their own, their own little idiosyncrasies. What's the, what made you want to go to a new one? What made you think, oh, that could be fun? Or, I mean, was that what it was, just a kind of the possibility of making history? It was a challenge, but obviously, as I said before, I took my wife kicking mm. and screaming off Isla 29. My, my wife's from Isla. Okay. So obviously, being an Isla, there's not a lot of Islanders want to leave Isla. So I took her kicking and screaming off of here in 1989. Uh, so it was payback time when I was, when I was offered the job here. There was no way that my wife was going to let me turn this down. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think you'd always been kind of, or presumably she had always been looking for a way to go back then? Had you, had you, is that something that you was kind of always in your mind as well? Or, I mean, no. did you apply for the job or did, did they just phone you up and say, oh, I hear your wife quite likes Isla, do you want to come back? And <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually met the guy that, um, to put you in a picture, we, we, we always came back to Isla on holiday every year. <laughs> uh, because it's just a thing that we do. Obviously, we took the kids over to Ireland uh, for their holidays, and, and they loved it as well. I met, I met a guy you maybe know him, Jim McEwen. I know uh, of him, yeah. Yeah, um, in Main Street in in Beaumore. We were over on an Easter holiday. We were walking the dog up Main Street uh, towards around church. And I went down his window, and he says, "How would you like to move back to Isla, boy?" <laughs> come and speak to me if you're serious so, and, and it started from there obviously but no it's very humbling uh, excited challenge yes it was a massive challenge that's what I go out of bed for in the morning you know it's, it's to me it's not a job it's a hobby you know you, you, you get paid for something that you know that you love doing it wasn't a range coming back to Isla not, not, not a bit of it no, I wouldn't imagine so. That's tricky though, huh? If you're ever recommending to anybody, you know, how to get into the industry, you can't just say, just walk along the street and hope that somebody <laughs> rolls down their window. <laughs> no, but, but to put you in a picture, I mean, Jim gave me my first start in the industry and then we've kept in touch ever since. We worked for the, worked for the same company for, for many years. So obviously he knew me and he knew, he knew what I could do. If you've got a passion for a job and you love the job, people know that... You know that you you've got the passion. Yes, definitely. So, when's the Ardaho malt going to be ready, and what's its flavour profile going to be like? Do you think? Um, when when's it going to be ready? Good question. <clears throat> I've been asked that many times, but and you you probably get the same answer. But it'll be ready when the cast tells us it's ready. 
Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Most people that, you know, who were, have got a date in mind because you have to wait, is it three years or something before it has to be, before it can be a malt? Is that right? Yeah, you, you've got to wait for three years and a day before it can be called Scotch whiskey legally. Well, we have some ready. We don't know. We're, we're maturing it in some fantastic casts at the moment, but it'll be ready when it's ready. Yes, obviously the, you're desperate to get it out there to the market, but the last thing you want to do is put something out too early. Patience. Patience is a virtue. You want to put the right thing out there. You don't want to spoil people no. before you've actually you know, launched a brand properly. Um, and as Fraser says, the, the whiskey will tell us itself. One of the benefits of working for Hunter Lane is that they've got a vast range of, of whiskies at the moment, you know, that they're selling. And so they don't need to be rushed to, to, to get Ardenho to market. You know, they, they've got time. They've got stocks that you know that are selling just now, so it's you know it's 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 a great position to be in. Albeit a little bit disappointing for our listeners, <laughs> but they, but they won't be disappointed. Not when it actually comes. Fair no. enough. No, if they come on a tour to the distillery once the, the restrictions are all lifted, um, they will be treated to a, a taste of, of Fraser's Arna whole new make spirit, so they'll get an idea of what it's like. Okay. That we'll have to do for now, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you mentioned the the Hunter Lang brands. Um, would <clears> you like to give us the tasting notes from one of your favourites, both of you or one of you? I'll give you mine first, then Fraser will give you his. Super. <laughs> yeah. We've got uh, a brand that we launched to, to commemorate the opening of the distillery. Um, it's called Scarabus. Scarabus is actually a, a place name on Isla, and in true. Uh, independent bottler fashion it is from an undisclosed distillery but it is an Isla whiskey uh, and we've recently launched we now have three in the series so we've got Scarabus, we've got Scarabus 10 year old and we've got Scarabus back strength which is at 57% Ouch it's, it's and, and which is your favourite? My favourite is just the, 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 the starter, the breakfast one <laughs> <laughs> Scarab, Stand up Scarabus um, it's, it's, it's peated, medium peated uh, probably about 25 ppm. Um, on the nose, it's got a lovely kind of rich, slightly smoky bit on the nose, and then you get a slight salty um, smell. And then when you take a taste, it's much the same kind of thing. You've got that lovely bit of sweetness coming through, a little bit of smoke, and then the wave washes on the shore and gives you that nice kind of salty, saline sea mist kind of flavour and the finish the finish is is very pleasant um it's not too peppery but it's also it's not too wishy-washy so you have got a good a good finish on it as well obviously the the uh the batch strength one does have a longer more peppery finish on it but the standard one is is a much more uh shall we say genteel fireside one in the evening Yes, I prefer genteel fireside to wishy-washy. <laughs> yeah. Wishy-washy is not good. No, not good. It's, it's never ever been used in the history of promotion of whiskey. <laughs> well, my my, my favourite to date, obviously, now I might be a bit biased here because I worked at the distillery, but the, uh, Hunter Ling have got an old malt cask, Glengarry. Uh, it's a 31-year-old and it was matured in a sherry cask. And it's absolutely stunning. Now, now you're, you're not going to get the sales and marketing jargon that, that I don't you know the, the marketing speak from me. Obviously, I'm a production distillery manager. Um, but but on the, the colour is is dark and rich. 
on the nose. It's very sweet, but it's 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 like a it's a strong sweetness. Uh, on the taste, an awful lot of dark fruits, oranges, absolutely superb. Uh, and the, the finish, obviously, at, at the time it's from ninety. It, it was it was distilled in nineteen eighty eight. Um, but the but the finish is long, uh, and at the time it was slightly peated, around about fifteen parts per million, uh, the, the the peated peat phenols. Uh, but the, but the finish is long and, and just it's succulent. It's just for the fireside at night, just sitting down having just having a dram just before you know just before you tuck yourself into bed at night. It just warms the chest up just nicely. Oh, that sounds lovely. No, it's got a cool label on it. Um, it says the only those who seek shall find. So it's inspired by an alchemy of craft and cask, time, sea and air, a whiskey for those with a curious mind and an eye for detail, bold and honest about its isle origins and just a little mysterious about everything else. And on it, on the label, um, there is a kind of homage to a gentleman by the name of Walter Frederick Campbell, who was one of the owners of Isla all these years ago. There's a little picture of his, his book there. And then up here, we've got a picture of something which we see lots of on Isla. Sun. It's a sun sunshine recorder. Oh, lovely. And Walter Frederick Campbell invented the sunshine <coughs> recorder. So they are. Not only do we produce good whiskey, we produce scientific instruments as well. <laughs> and um, you mentioned that it's, it's from a distillery on Isla. Do you know which distillery it is, but you're just not allowed to tell us? Oh, we, we, we've never been told. And um, even if we were, we would probably be done away with. You'd have to, you'd have to well, kill me if you told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lips I'm looking sealed. in your eyes for that kind of... <laughs> Lips are sealed. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, what's it been like for you and your team during the pandemic? What are you guys missing most? Uh, well, if, if if you don't mind, I'll start, Paul. Obviously, it's 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 been it's been a lot tougher for Paul and his team because obviously being in the hospitality side of things. Uh, the start the start of the pandemic last year, obviously there was an awful lot of panic going about, uh, so we decided to shut the production down, take stock, and then put in procedures and rules and regulations, just so we could get the production started again. So we we were more lucky, if you like. The production side of things, where whereas we were probably down, stop production for about maybe six to eight weeks, and then we get the production team back slowly at the start, just to bed them in, and the summer shutdown came. So on the whole, the production side of things have been kept going, which has been a godsend for us, obviously. But we we have missed the the visitors greatly, you know, coming coming through the distillery because obviously, I mean. Perks of production guys up as well, seeing you know, seeing pe people coming in and enjoying the distillery. Yes, it's been challenging. It's been very challenging, but uh, more so for hospitality side of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, it must there must just be such a buzz about the place when you've got it. You know, people coming and going all the time, and then to go from that to nothing must feel very hard. How about you, Paul? Tell us about you. Yeah, well, like Fraser says, it's it's been tough on the the VC team. Um, they were followed from the 20th of March. Uh, we're all followed right through till July. 20th of July, we reopened. Um, I came back a little earlier, did a lot of the, the um, COVID procedures, 
I was one of the smart people that ordered Perspex early before it became scarce. Mm. So um, <clears throat> we got Perspex everywhere where people could possibly breathe on us. But yeah, we brought the team in, trained them up um, on COVID procedures, and we opened our cafe and our shop and restricted to our numbers. It all worked very, very well. We gained a really good reputation locally. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the local environmental health team were very complimentary and said, can we use some of your procedures, as did uh, the SWA. Uh, so I was in consultation with them as well. Visitor numbers, we, we, we couldn't really compare with what we were hoping for. Uh, but the local clientele was very, very loyal and came visited us a lot. So, yeah, we, we, we missed our international visitors this year big time because they bring so much uh, colour, so much variety and stories from around the globe. Mm. Um, but we, we, we um, yeah, we did what we could. And it was nice to have the place up and running again. And, of course, we've now furloughed the team again uh, since the December shutdown. So, um, and they're on furlough now till 15th March. Uh, when we hope to reopen, but that all very much depends on, on on what the travel restrictions are because, well, if we can't get people here, it's very, very difficult to, to you know, to work and uh, keep things going. But Yeah, do many of them live on the island, the people who work in the visitor centre? Oh, they're, they're all local. They're all yeah. local, yeah. Yeah, um, the whole team. And, yeah, they're just desperate to get by, but... What we did during the first lockdown was every two weeks we would have uh, a Zoom. Uh, so we would have a quiz or we would have, I would come up with a distillery and I would pass out um, samples to them all. We do a blind tasting. Uh, the finance director joined us every every two weeks as well. So we, we, we kept in touch with the team that way. We were very lucky because the weather was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, the gardens in Isla this summer were absolutely brilliant. Um and then this time during um, the, the, the furlough period, this time every two weeks or sorry, every week, sometimes every two weeks, uh, the team are in for training. So in fact, this week, the coldest week we've had in Isla, we did our work in the community. And what we did was went down to the local primary school at Keels and we have revamped their garden for them. Oh, um, wow. That's awesome. So that's what we've done for our community work. And then... I think the next community work is litter picking between the main road and the distillery. So we do our bit for the community. We've got some nosing tasting next Wednesday. And then I think hopefully in March, our master blender, Tom Aitken, will be coming over and doing some blending training and uh, maturation talk with us as well. So we're, we're keeping things interesting, keeping the team uh, upbeat and all desperate to get back to work. That's lovely that you're involved with the local community like that. I think that's really nice. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's very important to be part of the community. Uh, even though we're any kids in the block, um, we have to be part of the community. And I think virtually everybody, with the exception of two, lives within 10 miles of the distillery. So, that's yeah, we're all very local here. What have you been up to with other Isla residents to promote tourism? Well, one of the other things I'm involved in is, is it's a typical island thing. Um, you're not just on your day job. I think I'm involved in four or five other things which take up my time in evenings. Um, so I'm on the, the management group of um, Explore Isla Jura, which is part of Wild About Argyle, which is also it's a, it's a direct market organisation, which is also affiliated to 
the Scottish Tourism Alliance and Visit Scotland. So we work very much hand in glove with them, uh, devising strategies and promoting um, the islands for when tourism restarts. I mean, we, we've been doing that for the last, well, we, we started it last May, really, to attract people safely from July onwards. And then obviously we, we closed down again in, in, in December. And it's just about getting the message out there that yes, there will be a warm welcome awaiting once conditions permit. So what did we do? We, we put up signs in the island saying to people, you know, outside all the villages to be safe, wash your hands, you know, all this kind of stuff. It was like COVID free signage. Um, and this time we are just trying to calm the enthusiasm of, of people who are just desperate to come to Isla for their Isla fix. Isla is like a drug. And it's it, it, once you get withdrawal symptoms, it's really bad. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who, especially the the whiskey clientele, they are absolutely desperate to come back. And the first sniff of international travel, we will be inundated with with our uh, regular whiskey visitors. But it's not just whiskey visitors. Everybody yeah. has withdrawal symptoms, and everybody's desperate to come and visit family and whatnot. It's it's beginning to be quite a tough time for everybody. But um, yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get out the other end, and we'll be fine. Yeah, I think it's a. I mean, I, I, Isla is very beautiful, but I think it's a feeling that everybody feels at the moment. But in the summer, it was easier because, well, I think because it was first, it was new. Everybody was kind of slightly weirdly excited about it. Oh, oh we're in lockdown! Oh, all these things, and then you get used to them, and actually, it's not fun at all. I mean, not that it was ever fun, but you know. And I think um, now that it's cold and you haven't got that gardening thing anymore, yeah. you know, that's really key. I spent so many summer evenings just sitting over the fence with my next door neighbour, chatting, yeah. Yeah. Having, a having a glass of wine in the evening. Yeah. Um, and now that's not an option. It's, and, and if anything, we're just kind of waving at each other just very quickly as we pass by because it's too cold yeah. to have our kids outside yeah. and... It's hard. It's really hard. So, it's, it's, it's especially hard on the elderly in the community here as well because definitely, um, you know, they're not getting out and about. And, and it tends to be that the elderly, elderly in the island communities, they are quite active. Yeah. And they're used to going out and seeing their friends and going to lunch clubs and stuff like that. Uh, in fact, my own wife's uh, mother, she's 94. Um, and it's difficult. We can't visit her. Uh, but there are many, many people in the same situation. So, but we look to look ahead to a brighter future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it won't it won't last forever, huh? No, we just no, got no, to no. we just yeah. got to get through. Yeah. Um, drink, so, sorry, drink drink more whiskey because that's that's supposed to kill all the viruses. Is, is, that, the, is, yeah. <laughs> is that the latest advice? <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump just got a bit tongue tied when when he, <laughs> when he was talking that. about bleach. Yeah. When he was talking about bleach, he actually, he meant to, to, to name a whiskey, but yeah. he got tongue-tied, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what have you been doing for, your, I mean, you mentioned a few things that you've been doing with your team there um, while they've been furloughed, just to kind of, you know, keep them up to date and keep them involved. What have you been doing for your customers? What have you been doing, like, online tastings and things like that? Well, we, we've had to reschedule our first one, unfortunately. Just we've put back to the 28th of February. It's going to be called the 20-something. So we've got six drams, and they're all over 20 years of age. And they're all from our old malt cask range. Off the top of my head, there's Ardmore, there's Aaron, 
there's Inchgower, there's oh, what else? Oh, Longmorn. There's a beautiful Longmorn 22-year-old. So yeah, we, we, we're going to be doing that one online. What we do is we, we release them in our online shop. So they're there for you to buy. And then you can join in with the online tasting. Or you can just open them when you get them and drink them. It's up to yourself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, either's good, I would imagine. But you know, I think nicer to be involved a bit and, and yeah, absolutely and, get and to I know think, the distillery a bit more. Yeah, and people are looking for things to do uh, just now. I mean, we we have another group of people who who've bought uh, one of our kinship tasting sets, and there's twenty three of them. They've set up their own tasting group, but they want us to join them for the tasting. And there's two people in Japan, there's 15 in England, there's five in Scotland, you know, they're, they're all over the place. So it's, yeah, that's going to be good fun. That's exciting. That, that, to, me, to, me, that, to me, that's what it's all about. You know, virtual tasting can be worldwide, you know, and, and if, if you're involved in that, it's, you know, to me, that's phenomenal. You're getting to speak to different people, different countries all over the world and enjoying a drama at the same time. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's the one thing to come out of this pandemic, which is absolutely wonderful. It's just suddenly connecting up the world that yeah. everybody's comfortable on Zoom now. There's no fear, just that ability to suddenly connect with all the communities who would never be able to come to the distillery in, in yeah. most situations. Yeah, brilliant. Finally, then, we always ask everyone, what advice would you give to someone who would like to know more about whiskey? I was, I was speaking to Paul about this uh, just before we, we come on to speak with you. Now, years gone by, to me... Whiskey was it was always a, my dad's day and my grandpa's day. It was always a, always a man's drink, but now it's whiskey's more diverse nowadays. There's different flavors coming through for all types of people. You know, for the young people, you know, you, you've got the softer whiskies for the for the women coming through. You, you know, they, they might they might not like the heavier peated styles. You've, you've you've got so many different styles. What I would say is, go out and try some. You know, do, do research. Go, go and look for for, for marketing and, and sales and, and and to see what look for the flavour notes in it. Just just go out and enjoy it. It's the whisky industry has changed dramatically over I'd probably say over the last thirty odd years. Uh, when it's 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 more quality driven now. It's more cask policy driven. You know, so it, there, there there is an abundance of great whiskies out there for people to try and. We are slowly we are slowly changing people's attitudes, but obviously we do need people. We do need more people to change. But just go out and try it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think maybe it's something to do with the alcohol content. Because I mean, I think when it comes to wine, it's easy to pass somebody a glass of wine and go try that. And it's very rare. I mean, you get you know people who prefer red over white and vice versa. But it's rare that you would get somebody who would go, "Oh, that's vile," unless they're a, unless they, unless they're a connoisseur of wine, in which case they would be, you know, you would try any bottle of wine. You would doesn't, you know, you wouldn't look at a bottle of wine and go, "Oh, I'm not trying that," as a as a new drinker to wine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But whereas with whiskey, there's this kind of uh, there's this fear, isn't there? What's that about? Why 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 are people afraid? Is it because it's just because it's more expensive or because it's you know, you're starting at usually 40% or what? The, the higher the strength of whiskey, the, the more ethanol, the more, the more spirit notes you're going to get into it, the more, the more strength that the whiskey is. So to me, when, when you're drinking out of a glass, you're breathing in through the nose as well. So you're getting the strength coming up through your nose, but, it, but it's going to affect the taste. Yeah. So it's, it's, 
So do you think that's all it is then? Do you think that it's just because it's a, a stronger spirit? Yes, it can be. Obviously, add a bit of water to it, add a bit of ice to it, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fear of the unknown, yeah. really. Um, it, I would say it's uh, it's driven by people's people's lack of knowledge. I, I drink both wine and, and whiskey and, and beer. I'm, I'm fairly ambidextrous when it comes to yeah. alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, you know, my, my advice would be be adventurous. There's no barriers. Go out there. Try it. The, as Fraser says, um, research it. You know, there, there's a, a, a lady over here who, who does uh, whiskey for girls, and she's doing really well with it. Um, can down these barriers, um, and I think that's really what it is. It's, yeah. it's barriers to, to whiskey, the unknown, the fear of the unknown. But the repertoire that you can experience with whiskey uh, is phenomenal. It's, it's as good as, if not better than wine. I know we have many different types of grapes from many different types of countries, but, you know, we're a little small country. Scotland, we've got 140 plus distilleries. And you will not taste one whiskey that tastes exactly the same as another. Just go out there and explore them and enjoy them. If you've enjoyed hearing from Paul and Fraser, would like to try a bottle of the Scarabus or find out more about their 20-something tasting, check out distillerytours.scot and click on the Book Now button on the Ardnahoe listing. Distillerytours.scot has every whisky distillery visitor centre in one place. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or sign up for our Distillery and Whiskey News monthly email to hear the podcast first at distillerytours.scot forward slash sign up. In our next episode in March, we'll be speaking to Nick Savage, Master Distiller at the Bladnach Distillery near Wigton in Dumfries and Galloway. We look forward to seeing you then.